Hello and good morning to you. This is the Stock Stories Podcast, and I am your host, Alex, your stock storyteller. Welcome to the show. Today is a special episode, well, at least special episode for me because, well, today's my birthday. Isn't that cool? So, on this birthday episode, I'm going to do another mental model. Let's get into the show. Yeah. All right. So yes, this is Stock Stories. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And how do we do that? We do that primarily through case studies of real companies in the market that we can look at and study. And we do that through studying the more philosophical side as well. We do that through mental models. Now, what are mental models? If you haven't heard of that term before, it's basically a framework uh, for decision-making. It's a thought experiment. It's something that we can look at and apply to many different areas of our life and come out with a better outcome based on our way of thinking. And today, we're going to talk about a, a mental model that is very fundamental to logical thought processes we're going to talk about first principles. All right, so what are first principles? First principles are the core ideas and facts upon which other beliefs are based off of. So everything can be broken down into smaller parts as far as our facts and assumptions. Um, so this is basically the foundation of your mental house, so to speak. If you do not have first principles, if you don't have some basic assumptions with which you believe to be true, you can never then build off of that into other ideas. So if you don't have first principles as your foundation, the rest of the structure of your thought lattice work of your mental models will fall down. This was an idea proposed by Aristotle, or popularized by Aristotle at least, and his way of thinking. And it permeates all fields of logic, most notably philosophy and math. So this is something that you can kind of point to many different fields and say, oh, there are the first principles thinking ideas at work within that field. And one of the things that Aristotle proposed is this, and this comes from Aristotle's first principles by Terence Irwin. So this is a quote from that quote. In every systematic inquiry where there are first principles or causes or elements, knowledge and science result from acquiring knowledge of these. 
For we think we know something just in case we acquire knowledge of the primary causes, the primary first principles of all the way to the elements. It is clear then that in the science of nature as elsewhere, we should try first to determine questions about the first principles. The naturally proper direction of our road is from things better known and clearer to us to things that are clearer and better known by nature. For the things known to us are not the same as the things known unconditionally. Hence, it is necessary for us to progress, following this procedure, from the things that are less clear by nature but clearer to us, towards things that are clearer and better known by nature. End quote. So effectively, what is Aristotle saying? He's saying that there are some fundamental principles that exists within the universe that just are, that are so fundamental to the way and the order of things that everything else is built off of them. And he's basically saying that from our perspective as human beings, we may not see that. We may have other beliefs that are completely different than the fundamental ideas and axioms that exist in nature. But he's saying that we have to draw ourselves closer to that through our thought processes. We have to more robustly connect the ideas that we have as humans to the real facts that actually exist at a fundamental level within nature itself. Um, everything from the way that a tree grows out of the ground to, to the way that an apple falls from a tree, the way that water flows in a river or the clouds move in the sky, these are all governed by science. These are all governed by different relationships between molecules and gravity and different forces that exist in the universe. These things are indisputable, and they're indisputable because we have observed them and tested them as human beings, and basically they're so predictable that we accept them to be true as fact. Um, so that's basically what Aristotle is saying there. Another person who popularized this way of thinking was René Descartes, who was a famous French philosopher, mathematician, and scientist, and he used this system of doubt, or also known as Cartesian doubt, to basically doubt everything he could in his life, in the world, and he would doubt everything until he could not stop doubting, until he was forced to look at something or think about something and say to himself, you know, I can't doubt this anymore. This must be true. And that's where the famous quote comes from, I think, therefore I am. Because Descartes was pondering his own existence, and he figured that because he is thinking, he must exist. There is no way around that. And then once we break down everything into its simplest parts, it's not enough. The thing that Descartes and Aristotle basically did was they broke things down, broke ideas down to their simplest parts, and then they built them back up again. Because at a certain point, we can't just focus on the axiomatic rules of the universe or how things work, but we have to build it back up to real practical ideas that we as human beings can take action on, right? It has to ultimately be practical Otherwise, how are we going to live a better life? 
So it's breaking ideas down and then building them back up. So let's turn our attention to the stock market. And I'm just going to give a hypothetical basic example so that we can explore the first principles at work. So let's look at this simple statement. Utilities are bad long-term investments. Okay, so if somebody makes that statement, what are they saying? They're saying that utilities aren't going to make a lot of money over a long period of time. Well, let's define these terms. We have to look at the first principles. What are the definitions here? Okay, what is is a utility? A utility is an organization that maintains some sort of infrastructure for a public service. So think about the company that provides your electricity, the company that provides your trash services. You could even count the company that provides your internet services at this point in the modern world as a utility. Um, All right, and what is the definition of long-term? Let's just say that we're talking about ownership of companies that's held for a minimum of 10 years. That's kind of what I consider to be solidly long-term. Um, as far as owning a security. And then what does bad mean? Okay, this is a very subjective term. This is where we can get into trouble as investors because we don't clearly define the parameters of the results that we want. If we just say we want a quote-unquote good investment or we want quote-unquote not a bad investment, that doesn't really help us that much, right? Because how will we know if our portfolio has been successful over time? We just won't. Are we just going to compare our portfolio to the S&P 500 and see if we did better or worse over a certain period of time? Maybe. Maybe that's what you or I should do. I don't know. But the point is that we should at least have some sort of a measuring stick to define that from. Um, And so let's just say that bad in this case is less than or equal to 5% annual returns. And what does the returns mean? So we have to break that down further. What does the total return from a stock actually mean? And this is where a lot of novice investors get tripped up is they look at a stock chart and they see that maybe a utility company hasn't really moved much over a 10-year period and they'll say, well, a utility must be a bad investment. I'm never going to invest in a utility. I'm going to go for, I don't know, the, the hottest like IPO or something like that. But really, we have to look deeper than that. What is the definition of total return? You've heard me talk on this podcast before about the different components of return when we're looking at companies. And usually the key components are this. We've got the stock price, which is the obvious one. So that's your capital gain. That's the paper value of your asset going up. And obviously, we want that to go up over time. The additional components of total return are we've got dividends. Sometimes companies pay out money to shareholders, and this is not reflected in a stock chart. So you have to keep this in mind. Um, Share buybacks. Now, share buybacks are reflected in a stock chart, typically over time, because you're reducing the number of shares, so the earnings per share is going up, and then Wall Street likes to value stocks as a multiple of earnings per share. At least that's how I kind of think about it. Um, So we can't really include share buybacks in this definition. So so far we've got stock price, we've got dividends, 
And then what else? There's actually other things that we haven't really talked much about on the podcast yet, but I'm sure they'll come up more uh, as we run into these types of situations with large companies. So another component of total return is spinoffs, spinoffs or split offs, depending on uh, how the company structures the transaction. But in this case, you can own shares of another company um, and it can be part of your initial investment, but maybe uh, the company divested some of its assets and spun them off to shareholders and you as the owner would own them as well um, and reap the benefits. So that has to be counted in your total return. So for example, if you bought General Electric stock a couple years ago or, or last year or something, uh, I mentioned in the episode uh, where I was discussing GE's new developments, the part two episode, that they have decided to spin off their healthcare business. So if you owned shares of General Electric, you will soon be receiving shares of this GE healthcare company, and you would own that in addition to your current GE stock. So your total return from this point forward, assuming you were to keep holding both of these securities, would be Uh, basically the sum of the returns that you earned from each individual entity. So just things that you have to keep in mind. So when someone makes a blanket statement that stock X or Y performed poorly or excellently, that doesn't really tell me anything because there are no parameters defined as to what is the actual performance and what are we comparing that performance to And then what are the definitions of the enterprise we're actually trying to look at? So that's why using first principles thinking can help shield us from a lot of negative thought or just not not negative thought. That's not the right word. I would say incorrect thought, inaccurate thought patterns, because just saying, oh, utilities are bad long term investments or, oh, tech stocks are the place to be. That's where you make all the money. Like that doesn't actually tell you anything. It's not based on any facts. There are no parameters defined. And it's just something that, sorry, you can t- probably tell it kind of annoys me when people make statements like this because they're so simplistic and they do not actually define anything about what they're talking about. And there are no, there's no evidence or justification or data, no axiomatic data that we can look at when someone makes a statement like that to prove or disprove their statement. So as an investor, this is what we need to do. We need to look at first principles. We need to look at what are the fundamentals of what's going on here. If somebody says utility stocks tend to pay out much more income than any other category of stock, that's a better statement because it's more specific and it's pointing to the first principles of, okay, well, what is a dividend? All right, we define that. And then what is a utility? Okay, we can define that. Now we can look at sets of data of companies that fit that specific description of a utility. And then we can look at the specific dividend histories of each company within that description. So within that data set, we can filter that out and say, oh, well, look, this is the data. And then we can look at all other companies based upon their data and say, all right, well, now we can make a real comparison because we defined our terms and also we have parameters that are quantifiable. So it's pretty easy. Doing something like that is much more conducive to your thought process as an investor 
and as a person than simply working off of second or third order ideas without digging deeper to understand the basics of what's going on. So that's what I got for you today. First principles thinking. There's so much more I could probably talk about this. Um, (laughs) But there's a book out there. I haven't read it yet, but I have heard good things. So um, it's called Principles. It's by Ray Dalio. If you don't know who Ray Dalio is, he founded um, the largest hedge fund in the world. And so needless to say, he's become pretty well known. And his book, Principles, kind of talks about his thought process, not just in starting his firm, but also his approach to life as well. So I would check that out, something that I'm going to be checking out. And um, But yeah, try to use first principles thinking in your own life, not just with your investments, but with many areas of your life, with all areas of your life. Try to understand what are the fundamentals of what's going on here? What are the key forces at work, the key variables? And then from there, build back up to more complex ideas. So with that, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my birthday. Y'all have a great day. I'll see you next week. Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.